Welcome to the Building an Unstoppable Organization podcast, where we help you solve internal issues related to leadership, teamwork, and culture so that your company's productivity and engagement can soar. I'm your host, Tom Clay, and I'm joined by my co-hosts and colleagues, Mark Tovel and Mike Schubert. Hey, guys. Hi, Tom. Good to be here. Hey, Tom. It's great to be with both of you guys. So we were chatting a little bit before we pushed the record button, and we were talking about whether any of us have worked for managers in the past who micromanaged us. And, and what was it that they did that made us feel that way? Mike, could you share some of the story that you were saying to us before? Yeah, it goes back many years. But as I was a young officer in the Army, um, I had uh, a couple examples of some commanders who um, it felt like their goal was just to make sure that we were there the entire day or night. And, um, you know, as you can imagine in the military, you start early, uh, but we could not leave uh, until they said so. And so the rest of the day, usually you'd get done with your duties uh, and your, your soldiers would get to go home, but then you're just sitting there with some other officers and you're just waiting, waiting until they get their work done. And then they come out to sit down and talk about, you know, the next day or whatever it is. So you felt like your time, your energy was just wasted. And it was, it was a draining experience. And I learned a lot of what not to do as a leader through my time uh, with these one or two leaders that I'm thinking of in particular. Mm. It's good that, that you uh, were able to learn from that. Uh, it does sound, that's, does sound frustrating. I, my one is uh, is a little different. It was um, it was more about how we were using our time. So uh, I was working at an investment bank, and and our boss was actually in another city, so she couldn't she couldn't see what we were doing with our time. So she would have us fill out these complicated spreadsheets detailing how we were spending every minute of the day, and and the and it was so hard to put those together we would actually spend hours on the spreadsheet itself and then we would wonder should we add in there that we've spent two hours on this spreadsheet um but yeah also very felt like it wasn't was not getting the the best out of us we're not using uh our time very well i was i i watched uh, a little simon sinek video last week he's he's got such great kind of addictive little videos on youtube and uh, one of the things he was saying was that um, he said the re- the reason we get micromanagers is because a lot of times they actually do know how to do the job better than us. And that's part of what got them promoted to begin with. Um, but that what leaders really need to do is to go through a transition. And some will make it fast, some slowly, and some never really make this transition. But that, that we need to transition from being someone who's responsible for the job to someone who's responsible for the people who are responsible for the job. And, and usually companies train people to do the job, and, and there's not often a lot of training around how to lead. So, I, and I mean, we've seen this oftentimes in our business where we may get a coaching request uh, that would look something like, they'll say this leader needs help transitioning from being a specialist to being a leader, um, and that transition often isn't an easy one. So, 
so I'm hearing a couple of reasons of what could lead to micromanaging. Uh, one is is around, you know, they know the how to do the job maybe better than the people under them. Uh, Mike, yours seem to be more about time. Are, are there any other thoughts that come to y'all's minds uh, when you think about what is it that causes a leader to be micromanaging? Mark, uh, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I would say one of the main causes behind it is is just the fear of failure. I mean, I think all of us as leaders have that to some extent. Uh, we don't want to fail. Um, and as you said, often we know how to do the job or we feel we know how to do the job better than people on our team. And so we don't want to let it fail. We don't want to take that risk that what they produce is not good enough um, or not as good as we can make it. And so I think one of those drivers is that just that fear of failure, that concern that we're not going to, as a team, produce good enough. Um, so that's the first thing that comes to mind for me. Mike, what would you add? Yeah, I, I think the fear of failure is, um, is correct. I think also um, we think we trust when we really don't trust the people around us. And so um, we, we kind of feign to this idea of empowering. So I, I've been with some leaders where they talk about um, empowering others, not micromanaging, but what they do is they give a task or a project to someone to do, but they already have in their mind um, exactly what they want as the outcome and how they want to do it. So they, they give it, but they don't share all of that. And then they're just kind of waiting to see if the person does it the way they want them to do it. But then they come in and nine times out of 10, the person or the team does it differently. And then they come in and say, no, no, that's not how I want it. This is how I want it. And let's say it's a finished proposal or a finished project. And it really disempowers the team because they, they're like, well, if you already knew it or already did it, why did you even ask me to do this? And that's another thing where people are like, well, I empowered them. Well, no, you didn't because you really already did the work and you were just testing them to see if they would do it the way you did it. And so that's another challenge I see with, with leaders as they think about empowering versus micromanaging. Yeah, Mike, that's a really good point. And, and you're raising an important aspect of this because beyond the kind of why this happens, I want us to focus a bit on what's at stake here. Uh, what do we have to lose if leaders are not able to make this transition out of micromanaging? So you, you mentioned people not feeling empowered. Uh, what else uh, do you think is at stake when a leader micromanages? Mike, I'll let you continue on that one. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, as I think off the top of my head, um, yes, you know, you, you don't build the trust. Uh, secondly, I think performance suffers overall um, because, because people, after having this a number of times, and I, I'm, now I'm thinking back to my own experience uh, where I had a leader like this, um, we wouldn't even bring ideas because we knew that this person already had had the idea and had the plan. And they were, let's say, 
they were just involving us because they knew that was what they were supposed to do. And so after a few times, the entire team began to just sit back and they wanted to hear, well, just tell us what you want to do. And so the level of engagement, um, you know, getting the best thinking uh, out there and ultimately the performance of the team went down because of that. That's huge. That's huge. Mark, anything to add on what's at stake? Yeah. So what I've seen, I, I would agree with all that Mike said, and that approach is just not sustainable. And so sustainability comes to mind for me. You could, you could maybe micromanage for, for a little bit, produce some good results for a little bit. But as Mike said, engagement will decrease. The desire to think creatively will decrease. The frustration will increase on the team and the, with the leader themselves. I've coached a number of leaders who are making the transition, hmm. individual contributor to a leader of, of people, a team leader, and they're frustrated. Rarely do you come across a leader who likes to micromanage or feels that that's the best way to do it. It's just the impulses are so strong um, to, you know, control or to, to try and force the outcome they desire that that's, that tends to be how they lead. So it's not a sustainable approach. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and, and I think you raise an interesting point there about what is difficult for the leader himself, because it, it, it can be very disorientating for someone when they get a sizable promotion where the work they've been doing and getting rewarded for is no longer exactly what's required of them now. And, and it can happen at various stages. It could go from an individual, when someone moves from being an individual contributor to leading a team, it could be from going from leading a team to leading several teams. It then can happen when, if they're leading a whole organization. Uh, so at each stage, it's a big uh, shift in, in what is required uh, for them. So if we think from the perspective of uh, either the organizational leader who's, uh, or the leader of the organization who's looking at his leader who's struggling with this, or, or even like Mark said, as, as a coach helping someone through this transition, how can you help a leader who finds themselves in this situation where they're in, leading in the less than ideal way of, of micromanaging? Mike, we'll let you start off with some thoughts there. Yeah, usually it's around the idea of uh, delegation and how leaders are perceiving what delegation is and uh, how they are doing it. I think most people don't understand delegation and don't understand that there's a whole spectrum of delegation. Um, not every type of delegation um, is the same for every situation. So there's times when you do need to be very involved because of uh, the type of project or the ability of the team member that you're, quote unquote, delegating to. Maybe you're going to have to be very involved because they've never done it before. And then there's other times when the team member is very competent and they've mastered this. Well, hopefully you're not going to be as involved. You're just going to say, hey, we have another project. You did a great job last time. Why don't you run with this and why don't you even deliver it and just let me know how it goes. That would be, you know, complete, you know, um, 
let's say the empowerment side of delegation. And so there's this whole spectrum. And I find that a lot of people um, don't think about it in a nuanced way. They don't look at every single task and say, okay, what's the best approach? Who's the person that I'm going to be working with? And then how do I need to come alongside of them so that they don't feel um, left in a lurch? They don't feel like I've been given this task and I don't know how to do it. Or they don't feel like they're being micromanaged if they do know how to do it well. And so I find teasing that out uh, is very helpful. Um, so that, that delegation is, is another uh, big topic, but I think the answer for how do you get out of micromanaging, it's really looking at how are you delegating, why are you delegating, and uh, what needs to change in your style. Yeah, Mike, that's that's really good. What I, what I'm hearing you say is, uh, so you're saying delegating, but there's also this developmental component that's happening through the delegating, and that as the leader, you're you're judging where the person is on that skill or that responsibility, and and meeting them where they're at, and then helping them get further, uh, which is huge. And I, and, I, and I think that's that's an important aspect where you it's not just you kind of observing and deciding, although that is an element, but even sitting down and having a conversation about that. Um, some of the work we've done with leaders will have them, you know, list out the job description of one of their direct reports, and then they'll sit down with that direct report and mark on a scale of one to 10 where, where they feel like they're at. Are they at a, hey, I, this needs to be shown to me? Are they at, I can do it, but I'll come to you with questions? Or, or could they teach someone else how to do it? So I think that's a great lens to look through um, in terms of how to get out of micromanaging. Because like you said, Mike, the, the opposite would be that people feel like they got thrown out and left to drown. Uh, uh, so we don't want to do that either. Um, yeah, good thoughts. Uh, Mark, what's coming to your mind? Yeah, I, I love love what was shared already and would totally agree. I think as a leader, we need to think developmentally. And it's not just achieving the results, the outcome. It's developing our people and moving them towards greater empowerment, greater independence. Um, but I, I think also what I've noticed is this requires a real mindset shift in the leader. And I love Marshall Goldsmith's uh, quote, what got you here will not get you there. And that comes to mind to me around this. There's a lot of leaders, what made them successful to get to this point will not make them successful leading a team or leading a team of teams or an organization. And so releasing some things, releasing some ways of working, and adopting new approaches is key. And uh, that's not easy for, for many people to do. So sometimes it's helpful to see other examples or to have a, you know, a coach or a guide to come alongside to help you identify those things. Um, but it does take that releasing and adjusting how you work and how you lead. Yeah, I, I think that uh, kind of fundamental paradigm shift that that needs to happen. I, sometimes I, I think it's important for the for the leader to be able to identify below the surface level actions what's really driving that because that uh, it is probably fear, like you guys were saying before. But but fear of what and and being able to see that clearly uh, and and release that. <clears throat> so yeah, really good thoughts there. I would add one more thing, Tom. 
around the developmental aspect, I think the tension that leaders often feel is the, you become a slave to the urgent. And we, we have to chase this target. We have to reach this goal. And so we don't have the time, we think, to do the coaching that's necessary to bring people along or to have those deeper conversations for those that need it more. And we really need to, to create that space, I think, as leaders to, to have those conversations, to coach our team along to greater independence, because that's otherwise it just won't be sustainable. We'll be stuck to the urgence, a slave of that urgent um, consistently. Very good. One of the things we like to do as we explore these, these problems and, and issues is look at it from different angles. Let's take a quick look at it from the perspective of someone reporting to a leader who's being micromanaging. Uh, what would be your advice for them? What should they do? So Tom, I'll, I'll jump in here. Um, Cause I have had clients where they're like, what do I do in this situation? My, my boss is either um, just always in my business or they haven't, you know, given me any guidance. And the answer is kind of what we've been talking to, uh, about. It's communication and it's clearly understanding and making agreements around how often do you want me to update you on this project? Because one of the things, again, that leaders sometimes do is they say, here's, here's the task, here's what I need you to do. And oh, it's due, you know, let's say three months from now. And so the, the other team member, they're like, okay, I have to do this within three months. And they're thinking, I don't need to give an update until it's done in three months. But then all of a sudden the leader comes down and every day or every couple days they're saying, so what's the progress? What's the progress? How are you doing? You know, and the, the leader or the team member is feeling, wait a second, I thought you just gave this to me and told me I had till, you know, two months from now to get this done. And what has happened, there has not been clear communication on expectations around updates and progress. And so I always uh, say, okay, just have a, a, a simple conversation and say, how often would you like me to come to you and give you a progress update? Would you like that every Friday? Would you like that every day? And typically in there, you'll actually find they don't want it as often as they're asking, it's just because they're nervous or there's something within them that's driving them. But if you can say, I will give you an update, it usually releases that tension and it allows for that working relationship to be much cleaner and much better. Mm, that's good. In doing that, it, there is a bit of a reflecting back motion in that if the leader says, oh, I'd like for you to update me several times a week. Well, how many times a week? Well, maybe four. Okay, so you want me to come to you four times a week with the update. Well, okay, maybe it shouldn't be so much. So I think that that is good, getting it crystal clear of what is the expectation on, on reporting back. Let, let's think, all, Mark, jump in if you had something else to say there. Um, but otherwise, I want us to also think from, from the big picture, uh, as someone leading a whole organization, how can you make sure that this is not happening throughout the organization? So not just with one leader, but, but in a holistic sense, um, what can be done there? 
Mark, I'd love to hear some of your thoughts on that. Yeah, that's, that's great. Um, I think, first of all, as an organizational leader, we need to evaluate how we're leading. Are we setting that example of empowerment? Um, secondly, I, I think it's considering what feedback loops do we have to understand how our organization is doing. Um, do you, are you doing pulse surveys to collect that data? Do you, do you intentionally seek out how each team is doing and how their leader is leading? Because um, that will give you a pretty good picture as to who's doing it well and who's not. And if your organization is quite hierarchical, I've found that it's, it's much harder to determine where that's happening because the communication up to the top is not as strong. So we need to be even more intentional to, to create those food feedback loops to know where the issues could be. Uh, and then as a leader, lean into it. If someone is leading that way, don't just ignore it. Uh, we, need to, we need to approach that person and give them the support and coaching they need to make the shift. It's mm. mm. really good. So it sounds like an intentional awareness and assessment of what's actually going on here and then the courage to, to do something about it. And, and that seems to be consistent across the different levels is, is that idea of opening our eyes and being willing to hear uh, the hard truth of whether we're being micromanaging or reflecting that back to a leader uh, or looking honestly at our organization. And it really does take courage uh, to take steps to, to change that so that our employees feel empowered and we're getting the best out of them in, in the right amount of time. Uh, so thanks, guys. I really have enjoyed talking through this with you guys, as always. And thank you again for listening to the Building an Unstoppable Organization podcast where we help you solve internal issues related to leadership, teamwork, and culture so that your company's productivity and engagement can soar.